Well, good morning. Welcome to South Bay Community Church, uh, especially for those of you guys who are here for the first time. If you're a guest this morning, thank you for being here. We welcome you. Uh, we've been in the series called This Is Home, so welcome to our home. Uh, we've talked about things in this church such as hospitality and fellowship and the Word of God and the value of missions and how we're a community of grace. And uh, today I want to talk about why we worship. Why we come to this home and worship together. So I want to open up in a word of prayer and ask you guys to join me as we get into God's word. Let's pray. And Lord, we really do thank you from the bottom of our hearts, Lord, that we have a family to belong to, a home to come to, that by your grace, because of what Christ did for us, we're able to look to you and call you Father and look at each other and call each other brother and sister. God, thank you for our, all our friends and guests who are here today. We're thankful that they're here. We pray that they would really experience the warmth of, of your family, God. And God, in this home, you've given us so many things, Lord, and one of those things is worship. And I pray that you help, help us to see the value of worship, Lord, that this morning you would renew our minds, change our minds, and help us to see that it is so powerful when we come and sing together. Help us to sing like never before, God. And so, Lord, we give you our hearts and our minds this morning. Lord, we want to be attentive to what you have to say to us. I pray that you speak in such a way that moves deeply within our hearts and brings difference, brings change and transformation to our church. And so we give you this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'll never forget. September 18th, 2006, uh, a group of friends, 20 of us from my old church, we decided to go watch a Dodger game. And uh, it was the nosebleed seats, of course, but it was just cool to be there, uh, to be there with friends and watch this game. But it was the ninth inning, and the Dodgers were down nine to, nine to six, right? They're, they're down, um, actually it was nine to five, four runs in the ninth inning. Now, what do you do when your team is down four runs in the ninth inning at Dodger Stadium? What do you do? That's right, you leave, right? And so, like, we're like, we want to beat the traffic because it gets crazy. And so everybody, us, and along with a whole drove of people in Dodger Stadium, get out of their seats and leave the stadium. And we're in the parking lot. And as we're in the parking lot walking toward our car, all of a sudden we hear the crowd in the stadium roar in cheers. Why? Because this happened. <laughs> And a drive to center, going back is Cameron to the track at the wall, and gone. So Jeff Kent comes up with a home run, leading off the ninth. Wow, really? A home run? That would have been cool to see and witness, but, but we have to go home. We got to beat the traffic, right? And they're still down three runs, nine to six. And so we continue walking closer to our cars, walking through the, the crowds to our car. And then all of a sudden, we hear it again. The crowd goes wild. Why are they cheering so loud? Because this happened. And another drive to deep right center, and that is gone. Whoa, was that hit? So now it is 9-7. Really? Back-to-back -back home runs? We, we missed back-to-back -back home runs. What are the chances of that, right? Oh, man. We, uh, oh, well, we got to go. So we're starting to walk closer to our cars. We walk probably a few more hundred yards, a few more hundred yards, and all of a sudden we hear crack. 
followed by an eruption from the crowd. What in the world just happened? This happened. A drive in the left center by Martin. That ball is carrying into the seats. Three straight home runs. That really happened. I'm like, are you kidding me? So at this point, everybody in the parking lot, I'm telling you, there are like hundreds of people, we're frozen in our tracks. No one's moving anymore. Everybody's standing there because we're like, what if, what if by chance there's back to back to back to back home runs, four in a row? to tie the game in the ninth. And so we're in the parking lot. We can't see the field, but we're looking at the reaction from the crowd. We can see the crowd still in the stands, and we're trying to see if there's any reaction from them. Because what if, by rare chance, they do it? And it happened. Check this out. And another drive into high right center at the wall, running and watching it go out, believe it or not. Four consecutive home runs, and the Dodgers have tied it up again. What? Right, so at this point, we all start running. Everybody starts running, not to our cars, but back to Dodger Stadium. And everybody's running for their lives, and as I'm running, and everyone's jumping over cones and jumping over bushes, running between cars, I'm running, and I'm thinking... I threw my ticket away. Like, they're not going to let me back in, right? But I'm like, I don't care. And as we get to the entrance, the, the employees of Dodger Stadium, they're like umpires waving us home. They're like, go, go, get in there, get in there. And they're just opening the gates and letting us in. And instead of going to the nosebleed seats, like three stories high, we go straight for the field seats, the good seats, right? Because it's right there. And there's like a, a good view right there. And I'm sure the ushers were going to stop us. But they go, 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 get in there, get in there. And we all rush in. We get there by the 10th inning. And in the 10th inning, the Padres, the opposing team, they scored a run. Broke the tie. So it's now 10 to 9, Padres. But this happened in the bottom of the 10th inning. And a high fly ball to left field. It is a way out and gone. The Dodgers win it 11 to 10. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> I'm telling you, baseball fan or not, it doesn't matter. We were all going absolutely bonkers. Everybody's high-fiving, everyone's shaking hands, everyone's slapping each other. We're giving strangers hugs, right? I'm not talking about cute little side hugs. I'm talking about full-on frontals. We're like embracing strangers. I don't even know you, but I love you. I love you. Why? Because we won. We won. We won, which is silly because we didn't win, right? Like, we didn't do squat. We just watched. The Dodgers won. But in that moment, there's a sense of unity. There's a sense of oneness, a sense of bonding and belonging, a sense of camaraderie, even a sense of trust that I would frontal you. I've never seen you before, but I'm going to give you everything I got right now. People who study the brain will tell you that during a victory like this, during a sports event, the brain releases a hormone called oxytocin. And oxytocin is known to give you a sense of connectedness and intimacy, a sense of belonging. Here's what a clinical psychologist, Dr. Scott Bay, says. He says, 
Also, when we're cheering on our team with family or friends, we might also experience the release of oxytocin, which is a chemical that helps create feelings of bonding and compassion. Oxytocin, that's that same hormone that, that is produced during childbirth, right? It not only helps significantly in the process of childbirth, but also uh, it, it produces that intimacy and connectedness between baby and mommy right after the child comes into the world. You know what studies also show to produce oxytocin? Singing together. Isn't that crazy? When we sing together. Here's what one study shows when people were trying to study the effects of the brain when people sang together. Here's what they found. I'll put it up for you. They said oxytocin concentrations increased significantly in both groups after the singing lesson. That's put on by the National Institute for Psychosocial Factors in Health. Why do I share all this? Why do I share all this? Because here's where I see scientific conclusions affirming biblical teachings that the two aren't mutually exclusive because you know who created oxytocin the one who created your brain the one who created your body and the one who established your body also established this body the body of christ and he who made your body and our body knows how each body is supposed to function and that's why we see in scripture our god says over and over again sing Sing together. Sing together because something powerful happens when we sing together. For example, let me show you Colossians chapter 3, verse 14 through 16. This is going to set up the message today. But if you have your Bibles or your apps or your Baywatch programs, it says this in verse 14. It says, and above all else, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So this is a passage about harmony in the body of Christ. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed were called in one body, this unified body. And be thankful. Let the Lord of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. What's the scripture telling us? It's telling us something happens to the body of Christ when we sing together, when we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, I know some people who will come to church only when they have to serve. I know some people who will come late to church just in time to catch the message. I know some people who won't come to church because they can catch the message online. I know some people who won't come to church because they can get their fellowship that they need midweek in their life group. But can I share with you a reason this morning why it is so important that we show up, that we consistently commit to coming to this home and gathering together? It's because... Here we can sing together. Here we can experience corporate worship. There's something so powerful when we come and sing together that that you can't experience when you're watching a sermon alone in your living room. Online, which is a great thing. I do that too, but there's something missing there. And there's something missing that you can't get when you're singing a Christian song on on, on the drive to work, which is a good thing to do. I do that too, but there's something missing there. 
There's something missing. As, as good as it is to get fellowship during the midweek in your life group, I hope you keep going to that, but there's something missing. And it's the corporate worship where the body of Christ comes together and we sing together. There's something powerful that happens. Let me share with you. For example, do you guys realize that the proclamation and the teaching of God's word isn't just for the pastors? This is something that we can all share in. So us as pastors, we, pastors of the church, we have the pulpit as our platform for preaching. But you as members of the church, you have music as your ministry, as a medium for ministry. I'll say that again. As pastors, we have the pulpit as our platform for preaching. But as members, you have music as your medium for ministry. So when I sing or when I teach and proclaim the word, I'll do it through preaching. But when you teach and proclaim the word, you do it through singing. So if you're following along in your notes, write this down. Here's the first truth I want you to take away today. Corporate worship is a medium for ministry. Corporate worship is a medium for ministry. Let me show you what I'm talking about. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. This is one of the most worshipful scenes in the Bible. You could flip to it in your phone as well. Isaiah chapter 6. But here this prophet named Isaiah gets a vision of the throne room of heaven. The throne room of God. And here's what he sees in that vision. Verse 1 says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, those are angels. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And so here in this vision of the throne room of heaven, Isaiah is overwhelmed by the glory that he beholds. He sees this God on the throne and he says the train of his robe fills the temple with glory. The train of his robe, that's the end piece, the butt piece of the garment that he's wearing. And that's filling the place with glory. Imagine what the front of his face is doing. How glorious is the face of God. So glorious that the angels have to use everything they have, all six wings, to shield themselves, covering their face, covering their feet, and they start praising, breaking out in praise. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Now check this out. I've never noticed this before. I've read this passage a hundred times. But who are the angels singing to? Who are they addressing? And I've thought it was always God. But look at verse 3 again. Look closely. What does it say? And one called to another. They were declaring to each other. They were proclaiming to each other, holy dude, look, he is so holy. Check him out. He is glorious. He's beautiful. He's majestic. He's holy. Look. Can you believe we're in his presence? See, there's something so God-glorifying when we Declare to each other and address to one another the glories and the, and the majesty of our king. When we help point each other to how holy and beautiful he is, something about that glorifies God. 
And music is a medium for that kind of ministry where every person sitting here is able to help point somebody to the glory and the holiness of God. See, I know that, you know, when I preach, I'm not naive. I know that after this service, not many of you guys are going to get in your car and you're going to be reciting my message. Like you're not going over my takeaway truths in the car. And I know that tomorrow morning when you wake up and take a shower, my voice isn't in your head and my points aren't on your lips. I get that. I'm not mad at you. But how many of you guys have ever had experience where you come to church and you sing, and then when you get in the car, that song is actually playing on repeat in your mind, and you're actually singing it in the car. I can't get it out of my head. And I guarantee you, some of you, tomorrow morning, when you wake up and take a shower in the morning, you will be singing at the top of your lungs some of the songs we sing today. Because that's what music does. That's the power of song. Music takes theological truths, these messages put to music, and it makes it repeatable. It makes it memorizable. It makes it memorable. That's what music does. And that's why I believe God gave us music. And as you sing these songs out loud, what you're doing is you're helping take the message of Christ, the word of God, and you're helping implant it deep within people's hearts and souls so that it'd be ready on their lips. That's your ministry. I'm not making this up. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3 again. Look at verse 16 again. It says, let the message of Christ, the word of Christ, dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. How? Through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And so do you realize, little do you know, that when you sing and when we sing together, you're teaching and you're admonishing one another with all wisdom. And you didn't even have to prepare a lesson. You're, and you're teaching the word of Christ. Church, I want us to refine our view of worship. That we would see the time of corporate worship as precious. Because here when we sing together corporately, there's an opportunity and a space that's created for us. Not only to bring glory to God vertically, but also to minister to each other horizontally. Worship is not just bringing praise to God vertically, it is, but this is also a medium for ministry horizontally to one another. Why? Because when you sing to God, do you know what else is happening? When you proclaim truths to God through your song, you're also reminding the children here in the midst of us, or you're reminding the unbeliever who walked in today, you're reminding the brokenhearted who's sitting in one of these seats. You're reminding the depressed. You're reminding the one who is suffering that our God is still worthy of our worship, that he is worthy of our worship. And we need to raise a hallelujah. And for some people, we need to raise a hallelujah anyway. No matter what you're going through, he is worthy of our praise. Remember that. Don't forget that. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And so I promise you that on any given week, somebody is going to walk into this sanctuary unable to sing. And that's why you need to sing. Because somebody's going to walk in here completely broken from what just happened. Maybe they just lost a loved one and they're unable to sing. And so if you have a chance to sing, he gives and takes away. 
He gives and takes away, yet my heart will choose to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Sing it like you mean it. Because somebody needs to hear that. Somebody is going to walk in here one week, totally prioritized with profits, thinking about their business. Money has become their idol, and yet they're still at church. And if we have a chance to sing Jesus, be the center of it all, Jesus at the center, sing it. Proclaim it, because someone needs to hear that. Someone's going to come in here and they're going to be just depressed because of this mountain in their life that can't be moved, this impossible situation. And when it comes to the song, when it comes to the song, we've seen him moved. He's moved the mountains. And I believe we'll see him do it again. Proclaim that because it is true. You have no idea how your words ministering to the people in the midst of us when we sing now i know some of us get that okay i get it i get it music is a medium for ministry but you're still going to conclude in your heart that i don't need to be here like if i'm here it's not like my voice rises above everyone else's voice it's not like my voice is missing if i'm not here no one's going to miss my voice ministry will still happen People will still hear at least the the worship team singing, so I don't need to be here. And I want to say to that, that's probably true. That's probably true, that the ministry will happen, and God will do what he wants to do in people's hearts. People will be set free. Hearts will be healed. Eyes will be turned to him, with or without you, but in the same way where If I don't preach or Pastor Gary doesn't preach, the message is still going to go forth. Someone's going to preach, right? If Curtis and the parking ministry doesn't direct you to your parking spot, you're still going to find a space. Someone will direct you. If Karen Vos and the hospitality team doesn't set out the tables for refreshments, somebody will set the tables. It's going to happen. But why would we remove ourselves from the reward of participating in what God wants to do? Why would we sit ourselves out on the experience of something powerful happening among the people of God? Why sit yourself out from the blessing? Why take cover of God showering down blessing when we sing together? And go back with me to that night at Dodger Stadium. That amazing experience we have to see this mountain move, this impossible uphill battle won. Do you know what is the saddest thing about that night? The saddest thing about that night is that in my group of 20 people from our church, a group of about four or five people decided to keep walking toward their car. When everybody was running back after that first home run, that group continued to go to their car because they wanted to beat the traffic. And so they missed out on the sheer exhilaration of participating in this victory. Oh, they, they knew about it. They heard about it as they were listening on the radio as they were stuck in traffic. But they missed the reward of witnessing this this mountain move, this upward battle won. It was tragic that they didn't get to participate in the pure celebration, the full-on frontals, the bonding and the belonging, the unity that we experienced. And talking to every one of them the next day, we were on an email thread. Every one of them, they were kicking themselves. (laughs) Absolutely regretted it. They regretted missing out. 
Worship is our medium for ministry, and with or without your voice, worship will happen, and ministry will happen. But let's not remove ourselves from the reward of ministering to one another through music and seeing the mountains move, seeing the battles won, seeing souls healed, seeing hearts resuscitated, seeing lives changed. Let's worship. Amen. Let's corporate worship together because it is a medium for ministry. Here's the second thing I want to share with you. If you would want to jot this down, corporate worship isn't just a medium for ministry, but corporate worship is a weapon for warfare. Corporate worship is a weapon for warfare. I want to show you a a video uh, that I saw a couple years ago, and I know the video is a little grainy because the soldier was taking on his cell phone, but check check out these soldiers. powerful thing. It is a powerful thing when soldiers sing. It really is. I, I wish I could have shown you the whole five-minute clip of this. It just, it just really gets me pumped when I see soldiers singing out to the Lord. You know, after being in ministry, uh, actually walking with the Lord for 30 years, and being involved in ministry for 20 years, and being married for 10 years, I could tell you one thing with absolute certainty. There's a real enemy, and there's a spiritual battle. I promise you that. There's a real enemy. There's a spiritual battle. So the question is, how do we wage war? Well, turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And I want to share with you the story of a godly king named King Jehoshaphat. And King Jehoshaphat, we learn in chapter 20, he's about to get ambushed, attacked by these massive armies, the Moabites, And the Ammonites and the people of Mount Seir, they're about to attack him. And as godly of a king as he is, he's he's scared. Like he's legit afraid of being killed along with all of Jerusalem by these armies. And so God uses this messenger named Jehaziel to send a message to King Jehoshaphat. And here's what he says in verse 15. Here's what the Lord says to the king. And he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And so what God does is he assures Jehoshaphat, you need not fear. The battle belongs to the Lord. It's not yours. It's, it's mine. Victory is mine. God's already seen the victory. And so when King Jehoshaphat gets this message 
And then King Jehoshaphat gets attacked. How does he then fight? How does he then wage war? Well, this is how he fights. Verse 18 tells us, Then Jehoshaphat bowed down his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Circle that phrase, worshiping the Lord. And then the Levites, the Kohathites and the Korahites, stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a loud, a very loud voice. So, so what does the king and the people of Jerusalem do when they get attacked in the midst of battle? They fall to their faces, and they just start worshiping and praising God. And then as King Jehoshaphat has his face bowed down, up rises a group from among them, the Levites, and they start singing, like literally singing, raising their voices to the king. What happens when they sing? Well, verse 22 tells us, And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. So what happens when they, when they sing, they're singing ambush the enemy, and these enemies are thrown into confusion. They start attacking each other, and they destroyed each other. And on that day, their praises went up, and God's power came down. Their praises went up, God's power came down. Worship was their weapon of warfare. That, guys, right there, that is the art of warfare. It's to have the heart of worship. The art of warfare for us, church, is to have a heart of worship. Why? Because their worship was reminding them of the message that is true, that the battle belongs to God. It's not yours. It's his. The victory is his. So just keep your eyes fixed on him. And that was their way. When they were worshiping and singing, they were saying, God, because you are in this, we will win this. Because you are in this, we trust we will win this. I believe that worship for us is a weapon of warfare, and that weapon is kind of like a two-pronged weapon. When we sing, I believe it weakens the enemy and it strengthens God's people. Two prongs. It weakens the enemy, it strengthens God's people. How does it weaken the enemy? I don't know. That's up to God. Maybe it throws them into confusion like 2 Chronicles 20. Maybe it causes the foundations of the earth to shake and the chains to break like Acts chapter 16. Remember when Paul and Silas were in prison and they started just singing hymns? Maybe, maybe it causes the demons to shriek and to flee. I don't know how God wants to do it, but I know that it weakens the enemy. And I also know it strengthens God's people. And I don't think that's some kind of mystical, mysterious thing going on. I think it's actually very practical when we sing it empowers us. How? Because it helps us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Like when we sing, we lift up our voices. Because when we're caught like in this dire situation and, and things on earth happen, Maybe you're struggling with your finances. Maybe you're trying to battle this sickness, trying to get over cancer. Maybe you have a relationship issue, a broken heart. We could be so focused on this, and we could be so overcome with fear, worry, stress, anxiety. We could get paralyzed. But what happens when we sing? 
When we sing, we lift up our voices, which helps us to lift up our focus. And now our eyes are on the one who has the victory. And we're reminded he sits on the throne. And greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Singing together, that's what it does. We help remind each other who God is. Music moves us to declare the power and the victory that belongs to the Lord. Speaking of spiritual battle, I'll never forget that year um, I was able to lead a team of college students. There's nine of us total. Uh, We went on a mission trip to southern Taiwan. And this part of Taiwan, there's a lot of animism, a lot of spirit worship, worship of other gods, temples everywhere. And I remember this one Saturday, um, the team of nine of us, it was just a free day, so we were hanging out at the apartment. We invited a bunch of friends over, people we were trying to minister to and just love on, brought them over to the house, and we were all just hanging out. And as the the morning progressed, I noticed that one of our team members uh, was kind of a little isolated, a little distant from everybody. And so I, I just kept my eyes on him, and I noticed that he was kind of really quiet that morning. And as the day progressed, um, in the early afternoon, I noticed that he was missing. Like, I, I didn't see him. And so I started checking everywhere. I didn't tell the team. I started looking on the different floors of the apartment, looked in the stairwells, checked the premises, couldn't find him. So I go back to the apartment, everybody's hanging out, watching movies and stuff, I looked down the hallway, and the, the last room down the hallway, the door was slightly cracked open, but the lights were off, and so I just assumed nobody was in there, but I figured, don't leave any stone unturned, so I go, I open the door, I turn on the lights, and to my shock, there he is, and he's sitting in the corner, and his eyes are wide open, and he's just glazed forward, and he's just rocking back and forth, and I'm like, all right, this is weird, okay? So I go up to him, I say, hey, bro, I want you to come join us. I don't want you to be alone. Come out, come out with us. No response, just kept looking forward, not even a blink. I said, hey, if you don't respond to, if you don't answer me, I'm gonna go out and get our team and we're just gonna pray over you. So you don't wanna make a scene in front of everybody, do you? No response, just glaze forward. Didn't even move. So I said, okay. So I go and I get our team. I told our friends and our guests, I said, hey, just stay in the um, room. We'll be right back. Brought our team into the room, shut the door. And there began, for the next two plus hours, one of the most intense battles with the spiritual realm I've ever experienced. And for the next two hours, we began just praying with him, singing over him, trying to get him to declare his faith in Jesus Christ, that he's a child of God, that he's been washed by the blood of Christ, that that he belongs to him, declare your identity, and and nothing was coming out. And I'm telling you, it was was crazy. Like, I, I heard him say things I've never heard him say. I heard him speak in voices I've never heard him speak. It, 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 got, it got physical at times. I remember a few of our teammates, we had to like hold him down, like use force to hold him down as he was getting a little aggressive. I remember using my finger just to drive it into his neck, into his throat, and into his collarbone just to try to keep him down. It, 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 it was intense, and yet during those two plus hours as a team leader, I was so proud of our team. I was so impressed by how much courage and confidence they had in the midst of the battle. 
Like, it, it, it was amazing to me. One of, the, one of the guys on our team is a Korean guy, right? Like, very nice, gentle, very, very friendly guy. But even he was getting Korean on this demon. Like, this guy, he, like, he, I don't know, he, yeah, get out of him. Flee already. I'm like, dang. I was like, I, I wanted to flee. I was like, where's this coming from, right? And he, he just got in his face. And then these girls on our team, college students, you know, I thought they would for sure be crying and freaking out. And yet they did not fret. They had so much tenacity and strength through that whole ordeal. Why? I know why. Because the entire time, the whole team, we just spent the time praying and singing out loud and declaring the truths of our God. And, and one of our worship leaders, he had the guitar, and I remember us just singing the song without end, just over and over and over again. And we just kept singing, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. And as we're seeing, we don't have time to be scared. We don't have time to stress because our eyes are focused and our voices are lifted and our focus is on the one who sits on the throne. And we're being reminded that he's the name above all names, worthy of all praise. And so my heart will sing how great, how great is our God. We're being reminded that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. We don't have time or room to be afraid. The victory is the Lord's, and the battle belongs to him. And as we kept singing and praying, finally, after two plus hours, our, our, our friend was able to say with his own lips, Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in Jesus I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. I am a son of God. And he came too. And I remember right after that, he just grabs my shirt, he pulls me in, and he says, Greg, I want to get baptized. And so we filled the apartment tub, and we threw him in. And in front of the whole team and our, our guests and our friends, he declared his faith, Jesus Christ is Lord, declared that he's going to follow Jesus, and we are able to baptize him. I can testify to you, church, firsthand that when our praises go up, his power comes down. When our worship goes up, his power comes down because when we lift our voices, we lift our focus and we remember who God is and we're empowered by the truth. So why should we sing often together? Why should we be committed to this, to corporate worship? Because the enemy attacks why should we sing often because he attacks often and all of us who have the spirit of god in us we will all experience the battle in some way shape or form at one time or another i promise you that maybe you're in here today and you're experiencing spiritual battle maybe it's dramatic maybe it's subtle maybe it's demonic maybe it's depression maybe it's relational maybe it's addiction Maybe it's emotional, maybe it's physical, maybe it's mental, maybe it's relational. But somehow the enemy wants to attack because there is a real enemy. And the word of God tells us that he relentlessly prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And if the enemy is relentless, and if the enemy doesn't rest, then neither should our worship. And that's why we've got to keep singing. 
We need to keep singing together because worship is not only a medium for ministry, but worship is our weapon for warfare. We cannot stop singing. As we close, I want to share with you just how real this is, how powerful this truth is. You know, as, um, as pastors, uh, preaching is kind of like front lines of spiritual battle. We're trying to present the word of God against a, a dark world. And uh, some of the most vulnerable moments for us is the moment we step off the stage, right? After I say amen, get off stage, sometimes those are the most vulnerable moments. Why? Because those are the most self-conscious moments. And I get off and I start thinking, oh, how did it go? How did it sound? How did it come off? Did it land with people? Were people engaged? Were people sleeping? What are they going to think? What are they going to say? And that, I believe, is where the enemy wants to come in and take advantage of our hearts and our minds. There's times I get off stage and I'm back here and I'm thinking, that went miserably wrong. And the first thing I want to do is not make a left to the lobby, but a right to my car and drive straight home and crawl into my bed and hide under my sheets. I think that's the enemy. And then there are times when he wants to go the other way. Because I remember this one time, I got off the stage and I finished preaching and I thought to myself, that was dope. <laughs> like, that was good, right? You know this was years ago because no one says dope anymore, right? But, but, it, but I was like, that was good. I killed it, right? And I remember thinking so, so highly of myself, right? And thinking, oh, what are people going to say? How are people going to pat me? And I remember coming around to the worship center through the back doors. And as I walked in and you guys were responding to worship, I was standing right there behind those seats. And I could hear you sing. Some of you guys at the top of your lungs. And you were singing, your will above all else, my purpose remains. The art of losing myself and bringing you praise everlasting. Your light will shine when all else fades, never ending. Your glory goes beyond all fame. Oh. And you put me in my place, and I was able to join you in the chorus and the cry of my heart is to bring you praise from the inside out, my soul cries out. And little did you know, church, that your singing admonished me. Your music was putting me back in my rightful place and reminding me that there is only one light that continues to shine when everything else fades. One who deserves all glory that rises above any other fame and he deserves our praise. Thank you. And that's what music does. That's why we sing. So listen, your presence here matters. Your participation in this matters. Your worship matters. Your singing matters. It is not in vain. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 reminds us this. And let us consider... Think about this. Consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What's it telling us? Don't quit showing up. 
Let's not stop getting together and let's consider, let's think hard about how we can love each other and encourage one another. And as we consider how we can do so, consider this. Consider corporate worship. Consider music and singing not as just a ministry from the worship team to you and the seas. Consider worship as a medium of ministry to one another and consider worship to be our weapon of warfare against the enemy. Amen? Amen. I want to close and lead us into worship as I pray. Uh, We're going to go into a time of singing. And so during this time, I'm going to invite the ushers after I pray to come forward. And we'll go into our time of offering and and singing. If you guys are sitting in the lobby or the family room, I want to invite you guys to come in. There's plenty of seats here, plenty of room. Please come in and sing with us. Um, If you don't want to, that's okay. Just sing where you are. But let's sing together, okay? And just to remind you of this, this Friday, it's another opportunity for us to corporately get together and just purely worship and remind each other of who God is. So would you guys join me in a word of prayer? And so, Father God, we thank you so much that you don't throw us into battle and leave us unarmed. God, you have given us music as a medium to minister to each other, giving us this opportunity to see hearts healed, lives saved, minds changed, joy shared, sorrows halved, cheerfulness doubled. God, thank you. And forgive us for any ways we've ever downplayed the importance of singing together. Forgive us of the times where we've been maybe even selfish in our approach to worship, just thinking about me and what I think about the music and if it's my taste or not. Help us to look beyond ourselves and look to the people around us and see how do these words minister How can I help the word of Christ dwell deeply among our family? So God, we worship you with all our hearts. We want to sing at the top of our lungs. And we want to declare that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, the name above all names. You sit on the throne and the battle belongs to you. Lord, we want to see your victory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.